Welcome to Elixir Wizards, a podcast brought to you by SmartLogic, a custom web and mobile development shop based in Baltimore. My name is Sunday Mian, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Owen Bickford, and we are recording from MPEX in Salt Lake City. Hey, Owen, how are you doing? Hey, Sunday. I am doing great in this highly elevated state. Yeah, the elevation is something to pay attention to. Today, we are joined by special guest Digit from SmartRent. Hey, Digit. Hey, how's it going? Good. We do 100% have to flag that this is the first Elixir Wizards episode we are recording maybe in a long time, if ever, in person. So welcome. Yes. It is odd to be looking at you (laughs) right now in person. There's no delay. It's just happening in real time. Oh my gosh. We can't say anything like you're on mute. (laughs) Can you see my screen? Can you see my screen? Uh, it's like we've had blinders on our, our face this entire time and we're just like lifting it now. Kind of wild. Digit, you just flew in. Yeah. Just got I, off I the plane. I landed about and, 15 minutes ago. And then rolled over into this podcast setup. So how was the flight? Where were you flying from? I am actually just moved to Portland, Oregon. And so I got back a couple months ago. I moved up there from Washington and I've been enjoying it quite a lot. And uh, flew, yeah, so flew in from Oregon. Not a bad flight, about an hour. Little bit of bumps over the mountains, but nothing too bad. Cool. I feel like I just read something about Portland. I was looking up like the worst traffic ever in the country, and I feel like Portland was up there, but maybe it was Seattle. And I'm Seattle's just pretty bad. I used to live in Seattle. Okay. The traffic there is pretty bad. I could be totally quoting this wrong, but I think it's like LA, Seattle, mm-hmm. and then the DMV, the DC, Maryland, Virginia uh, area. Yeah. That which tracks. is, you know, what I live in. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to my walkable city future, so I don't have to drive anywhere, and yes. that's where I want to be. Yeah. I live in Northeast Portland, and it is extremely walkable. I haven't owned a car in years, so I walk and bike everywhere, and the carless life is stress-free. My list is getting so long now. <laughs> I've got <laughs> Kansas City, I've got Dallas, I've got Northeast Portland now, so... Yeah, we got lunch with Amos today. Shout out Amos from Binary Noggin. And he's been on his everyone move to Kansas City mm. uh, trip right now, so which is fun. But luckily, we'll be talking to a lot of people today or, you know, this conference from a lot of places and you get to interview all of them and find right. out their, their <laughs> pros and cons for their city, which should be great. Yeah, I just finished having a nice seven, eight years of no car. It was glorious, but back to suburban life for me. Yeah, <laughs> It'll be okay. I needed it, you know, to go back to skating and just, Mm -hmm. you know, house things. So here we are. Here we are. Okay. So, I mean, we're here. You're doing the conference. Is this the first one you've been to since ElixirConf or did you go to? I, yes, I didn't go to the big Elixir was in between this one and one other one. I I forget which one, but yeah, this is the first one I've been to since Mm ElixirConf. Me too. Owen, you've. I was at big Elixir. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is there any particular talk you're super looking forward to hearing there's a couple on the top of my list though isaac's talk i'm always interested into the weird corners of otp that he digs into so i'm really excited to see what he's gonna (laughs) reveal this time i saw his talk about zig at the last uh, elixir conf which was phenomenal and so i'm I'm curious as his background is is super interesting to me how he just kind of like stumbled into elixir and i think that's awesome yeah i'm always curious about his perspective on things for those listening five years in the future what is dp I'm sorry, what? You said you're super interested in DP? Oh, OTP, sorry. OTP. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Hopefully, five years in the future, they know what that is. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more people who know what OTP is in the future. Oh, wait, wait. Pop quiz. 
What does it stand for? Oh, please no. It's like the open telephony platform or something like that. Open telephony? Yep. Telephony? Yeah, I think that's right. Tele- telephony. Oh my gosh. That's all the right, one, yeah. Right, open telephony platform. We are absolutely exposing ourselves right now. Let's <laughs> yeah, see. It's, it's definitely I can't telephony type platform. the O. I'm getting an O. I'm getting an ITP. Come on. OTP. One-time password. No, 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 no. not that one. You got to specify OTP. You got to put Erlang. Oh, I don't think I can say this one on air. Like, literally, none of them are correct. <laughs> Let's try Elixir. <laughs> OTP. Elixir. My money's on open telephony. Telephony. Telephony? I always have telephony. I, 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 think I, I pronounce way. it correct after yeah. I pronounce it wrong one time. Right. It's one of those words you have to, like, do it wrong and then mm-hmm. third time is a charm. This is embarrassing. Why is it so hard to if find? If you just type Erlang OTP, there's like a Wikipedia article that should Open be Open telecom one. platform. Telecom, not uh, telephony. Okay. okay. I was close. So Way for off. all of our uh, listeners who were just screaming the answer yeah. into the void that is their homes, I am so sorry for you. something to do with telephones. Cool. So you said you're looking forward to Isaac's talk. Is it based on his talk from before? Or no, is it like- I think it's something completely new. Okay. Um, uh, some kind of feature that I'm not super familiar with in OTP. I'd have to reread the, the description again, but I saw that he was going to dig into some feature that he hasn't seen used often, and I'm already interested. It has to do with global state and testing and even uses of that in non-tests environments. So I'm pretty excited about that. And then, of course, I'm excited for whatever Quinn is going to bring to her talk, because those are always fascinating. <laughs> and I'm also going to shout out Quinn right now. Quinn, no matter what you do, no matter what you could have made the, the slides five seconds ago. It will still be brilliant <laughs> Right. <laughs> for any future anxieties there might ever be about putting together a slide deck. We should have a pull, like a pull bet on how many quotes there will be in Quinn's talk. How oh. many quotes? But, but how something. many quotes are actually real quotes? <laughs> well, oh, I would love somebody to do a talk where they just put in quotes and you have to figure out which ones are real and which ones aren't. Gotta do research. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Where like the last slide is, okay, 50% of those quotes were not real. <laughs> you all have been duped. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> pick, up a, pick up an answer sheet on the way out. and <laughs> Right. Oh, how fun would that be? Cool. I mean, this is, I think this is one of the first times I've just done a one day conference too. So that's yeah, kind of an I interesting I've never done a one day. That's I didn't even know that was a thing actually. I thought I've been very used to multi-day, multi-track. Like everything mm. is just one track. Everybody's going to be in the same room for the whole time. Do you know how much more relieving that is to not think about making any choices? It means that there's no hallway track also, which oh. like is an upside and a downside, I guess, cuz I end up in the hallway track in conferences when I'm in the same situation as you where I'm like I don't know what to do. And then I just end up talking to someone for 40 minutes. Yeah. Well, not to plug in on their podcast, but the hallway track of Elixir is always there. It is the Elixir Outlaws. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yes. I know Amos will be here. and uh... I think somebody from every podcast will be here. Yes. That's true. <laughs> yes. I've spotted, spotted people. Yeah. Spot the podcaster. <laughs> I think she, the she joke is everyone has a podcast these days. Not just like, not in text, just like everyone. Everyone started a podcast with their sister reviewing the latest Marvel movie, you know? There's a podcast or live stream or YouTube channel for everyone that's going to be at the conference tomorrow. hmm <laughs> So, we mentioned at the top of the show that you're at SmartRent. How is that yes. going? Oh, great. I started at SmartRent a couple months ago, 
And it's been super fun. It's a really interesting application of Elixir. There's a lot of nerves, which is super fun. I get to work with Frank Hunlith basically directly. And so it's a lot of fun to work with someone who's really deep into the nerves ecosystem. And we're kind of applying it into smart home and smart apartment applications. And it's super fun. The way I stumbled across smart rent is actually really funny. I moved into an apartment that had smart rent in it and I had no clue that it was Elixir. There was Elixir based stuff and I started poking at their app and making my own little interface for it. And I realized that I was interfacing with a Phoenix socket and I was just like mind blown. I was like, oh, what is this company? And I looked it up. You realized it was all your best friends. Yeah. And I realized, oh, wow, there's a lot of people I know who work here. And they offered me a position to work on the firmware team. So that's where I work now. I'm a firmware engineer at SmartRent now. It's really fun. Wow. What a great origin story. I just figured you'd like Frank had talked you into it or something. (laughs) I mean, half that. But also, I I went on Twitter and I was looking for a new position. And Frank reached out and said, hey, I have a cool team. Do you want to join? And I said, yeah. Oh my gosh, how awesome. What is smart rent? So like you kind of hinted at this, but like yeah. what is smart rent at the high level for at someone? At the high level, I'm trying to think of the best way to summarize this, basically installing smart home technology into rental properties such as like apartment units or rental homes or even college dorms, things like leak sensors, smart door locks so you can do access control for guests. We do parking management for knowing if parking spaces are open, all sorts of IoT-enabled properties, basically. And we've been working on a bunch of Elixir nerves-based stuff for door access control, so like the RFID tag, tag into doors and things like that. That's going to be nerves-based. I've been working on a fancy Flutter UI touchscreen thing. Yes. Um, I can't talk a lot about the details of it right now, but I'm super excited that Frank told me But we could talk about Flutter though, right? We can talk about Flutter. You'll make Sunday's day if you talk about Flutter. Flutter Flutter is really cool and I've been trying to make it talk to Elixir on a nerves device, which has been really interesting. Oh my God, you are at the intersection of everything (laughs) I want to talk about right now. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we can talk maybe off the air, but I I can't speak too much about it. Details. I mean, no, but generally speaking, I've been working in Flutter for the last year. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for every Elixir fan who's listening. It's just how it rolls. I've been working on Flutter for the last year more than Elixir. And I I think I know it better than Elixir right now. It's Eh, really cool. I love how fast I could get a UI broken out. The most stressful part of anything software engineering to me is building a UI Mm -hmm. and Flutter just made it really easy and it was super cross-platform and it was super easy to get running on our prototype hardware and it's just been a joy, honestly. So asking for, so I have not actually delved into Flutter yet. Is it like a framework with pre-built components? Is that kind of what you're getting? it's It's a whole suite of tools for building UIs, mostly geared towards like smartphones. So it's a single code base of it's in Dart. So that's the language it's okay. in, which is a Google E language. Made, yeah. Google made Dart. Yeah, yeah. it's Google made, or I think they contribute a lot to Flutter as well. And then they and made Google Dart. also made Flutter. I think I remember reading somewhere that they didn't make it, but oh, but like acquired I, it or something. I don't know. They're definitely involved a lot. Yeah, the reason this, yeah, the reason Flutter has been so useful in in like the learning aspect for me is that. Google is just so great at content creation that their widget of the week videos on YouTube, their books are so good. Like just the resources on it blew me away and I picked it up faster than I picked up anything. Yeah. 
that could Absolutely. maybe speak to where like I'm finally at a place in my life where I like learning things faster. But also I think it says something about how fast you can learn Flutter. I've also always wanted to talk about Flutter on the podcast. Not saying that's why we're talking about Polyglot this season. Because <laughs> I finally wanted to talk. <laughs> hey, it's a good topic. <laughs> no, um, I mean, yeah. Like it, we talk about Elixir all day long, but I noticed at ElixirConf that we're all doing, you know, stuff in other places, not taking credit for the season theme. That was, that was Dan. Yeah. Yeah, that was Dan. Yeah. yeah Dan at Smart Logic. Shout out to Dan. Um, five. But I was actually really excited when I saw the season theme being polyglot because I was just like, it's a cool theme. It's a cool theme, but, you know, realistically, we don't just write Elixir. No. A lot of us don't. That is sweet. I'm so excited for you. I'm also excited, generally speaking, like in that world because what, drives me nuts about smart home stuff is how smart it is like i want a dumb smart home you know what yeah, i mean yep. like i don't want it selling my data i mm-hmm. don't want somebody to be able to like i want it off network i want it to not be hackable i want yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of these things you i know? totally i totally get where you're coming from i actually <laughs> recently got a house in portland you know i did a big house purchase that was a whole big stressor but that's we can talk now. about that offline oh yeah <laughs> and uh, but i love it it's been super fun it's great to have a place of my own that me and my partner can just live our lives in. Mm-hmm. It's nice. And I've been investing into smart home stuff, funny enough. And uh, I totally agree with you. I went full build my own stack of smart home stuff. So I've been doing home assistant with Z-Wave devices. And it's on a separate router with a separate network. And it's super smooth. I even rigged up my garage door to it. It's so yeah. much fun. But yeah, I agree. Smart home stuff the off cloud stuff is really fun and really great. And I've been thinking about making a flutter UI in Elixir and with this to build on top of that. I mean, seriously, like I, my house came with like a smart screen that hooked up to the locks that had like a, I don't know. It was always beeping. We worked it out (laughs) of the wall, you know, but it really bothered me that like we needed to call customer support to delete the users. Like the seller was still in it kind of. And they should have cleared that out before. I mean, they tried, they tried right in front of me. They tried right before my eyes and they got rid of as many users as they could, but like they really couldn't get it all. And I just like hate the idea that you're beholden to smart stuff and like the software really controls your life and you're like home security at that point. So, you know, I was so like six, seven years ago, just like so excited. Everything was Google home and assistant and Hugh and everything. My stupid Google nest uses ox heat. When I tell it not to every (laughs) other day, I just, one thing I've learned when working at smart rent is all of the really good, reliable hardware, because we have to deploy these things and then never have to touch them as much as possible. So if you're ever in the market for a new smart thermostat, the Honeywell T6, really good. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I might be. So you're working in Flutter, Elixir, and Nerves. Yeah. Flutter, Elixir, Nerves. Some C here and there because it's inevitable when working with Nerves. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot of fun. I love tasks that let me touch all different kinds of parts of the stack and all different things. Full system development is so much fun. Does Flutter give you, like, what's the WebSocket support in Flutter? So it's 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 basically dependent on Dart. And so it's fully there. You can do okay. WebSockets. You can do HTTP. You can do raw sockets if you want, raw TCP, UDP, really everything. Dart's a really cool language, to be super honest. I have never touched it before, Dart. And so it's my introduction to Dart. And it's really cool. It's really well made. And funny enough, I think the person who helped design it was someone who... I'm super bad at names, but they wrote the game programming patterns book and then a book on building your own interpreter, crafting interpreters, I think it's called. And it was 
a super good language and they're really good. Yeah, I'm so terrible. <laughs> Is it at names. like Ben Nightstrom or something yeah, like that? Yeah, sorry, I apologize. Apologize to him for getting his name, but. <laughs> Uh, super smart. I'm not positive that I have that right, actually. Fantastic language, though. Great Why are you looking that up? So, Dart, functional, object-oriented? It's object-oriented. It's more, It's I would say it's closer to, it's like if you took the slider and at one end you put Java and at the other end you put JavaScript and then you like slid it to the middle <laughs> where you kind of have loose types where you can mm. kind of do like var equals. I don't know if Java has, I haven't written Java in like five years. I don't know if Java has those probably kinds of Probably for the best. Bob, <laughs> Bob Nystrom. Here we are. Bob. Sorry, okay. Bob. Thank you. Yeah. Bob had a really phenomenal talk about Flutter. One of like those Google Keynote things that I remember just watching and being like, this makes so much sense. And I think I listened to him on a podcast. I don't remember what pod. It might, oh, it might have been the Flutter podcast <laughs> where he talked about getting into game development and how he really wanted to get into game development and how he couldn't do that because they don't let you build games. Yeah, that I could feel that. Yeah. You were dabbling in some game stuff, right? I do when I can. It's stressful because it's a lot of work. I yeah. think games are some of, okay, two of the hardest things I think you can engineer are distributed systems. But, like, you know, thankfully Elixir makes that easy. Mm. And games. Games are super hard to engineer. And I have huge respect to anybody who makes any game in any capacity. It's really hard. I've made one quarter of a game for the multiple times for my entire life, yet to finish anything. It's just super hard. I'm hoping to actually start making small things in my as like a hobby and actually get it out there. What's difficult about finishing a game there's just a lot to do it's mm. a lot of components it's a lot of design and i get lost along the way mostly i kind of go down this spiral where you end up polishing one tiny piece of the whole thing and not focusing on the bigger picture which is just my downfall for every time and i really got to take some lessons on iterating faster on games i try i do that with my other projects i just games for some reason i just get locked into one section because there's just so many things you have to think about so what language stack is a game development in for you for me depending on the phase of my life you ask me i've done a language called hakes which was really cool and something called openfl which was action script but compiles to c very strange but a really cool stack and then more recently I did some Unreal Engine 4 stuff in college, so I was a lot of C++. And then, really more recently, I've been learning a lot of Unity, so that's C-sharp, maybe some lower-level C++ if you're building lower-level components, but mostly C-sharp. So that's been fun. I've been learning Unity a lot more. I think you tweeted recently that you were going to go real hard on Unity after this conference. Yeah. I, so like, should we hold you to that? Should we no, check in on you? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. I no, you know, no promises. I love giving Elixir talk, Elixir talks, and I love the Elixir community. But uh, you know, I'm I'm the kind of person I'll, I'll hop to all different technologies, all different languages. So I'll still be around, and I'll definitely be working on Burrito. But I'm also going to try and focus on some of my other projects. Is Unity its own language, or is it like a framework? Unity is a whole engine with a scripting layer with C sharp. There's also like a JavaScript layer. I wouldn't recommend that one. But the main stack of Unity is the Unity game engine, whatever art tools you want to pull in, there's a lot of plugins, and then C Sharp. Cool. Would that be communicating with Elixir in some way, or is it just kind of its own thing? I've been thinking about using Elixir for building DSLs to generate content for Unity. So imagine using Elixir and macros and writing a little CLI tool in Elixir 
that lets you write dialogue trees or dialogue decisions for a game in a DSL where you could say like, if the choice is this, then do this, trigger this function or say this line of dialogue and then spit out like a compiled file that Unity can read and, and parse and run. I've been toying with Elixir to write a DSL for generating something called a basically just 3D shaders. So I've been writing a DSL to write 3D to generate OpenGL shaders from Elixir, making 3D shapes using only math. Seems like there's been some work around shaders in the Elixir space. I forget who else was, but those tweets have flown by. So I, like, <laughs> yeah, they're not committed to memory. No memory. There are so many things that I have to keep. My brain only has so many slots. <laughs> currently full. <laughs> engineering life, I think. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned burrito. How's it going? You want to, for the audience, just uh, kind of overview that for us? What it yeah. is. Yeah, burrito Other is... than making me hungry. <laughs> I swear it's not my life goal. I don't believe you. To make you hungry. I think it is. <laughs> I started Burrito back at my last job when I was actually working with Quinn. We had the requirement to package up our Elixir application that was originally a Phoenix app into a command line tool that people could run on their Macs or on their Windows VMs or just really hostile environments that don't have internet access. And that's a really tough challenge. Some of them you can't install Erlang. So like eScripts are out because you need Erlang installed and regular releases are out because you would need both Elixir and Erlang installed. And so Burrito was this answer to how the heck are we going to deploy an Elixir application in an environment with no ability to install Erlang or Elixir or any of the dependencies required to run anything. No, no Docker even. No, no Docker, nothing, nothing. We're talking Windows, like Windows Server 2012 R2 no administrator permissions, running off of a network drive. Like the most hostile environment a program could run from. Easy mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it'll be a fun talk tomorrow, trust me. <laughs> um, Stay tuned. Yes. Burrito was a way to... It was heavily inspired by Bakeware, funny enough, written by Frank and John and Connor, who I work with two of those people now at Smart Rent. And it's basically our own take on Bakeware, where we take the entire mix release and we pack it up and we compile a little wrapper binary for whatever platform you're targeting. So like a Mac, you have like a Mako for Mac OS or a PE executable for Windows or an ELF executable for Linux. And we just kind of compress that as tight as we can. And then that's the output. And then when you run on a target machine, that one little single binary file, it will uncompress the payload into some writable location and then execute it behind the scenes. So it feels, runs, and acts like a single file binary, but it's actually a big payload of Erlang and Elixir and, and all your Beam code in disguise. And it's usually around 8 megabytes or so, so a little larger than most binaries, but still lets you kind of take the portability of the Beam. It's Elixir. It's all those dependencies in a trench coat, basically. Yes, what you're yes, yeah. Yeah, when you started talking about it, before you mentioned that it was like inspired by by Frank and and all, I was thinking that it does sound to me a little bit when we were playing around with the Nerves live book. It did remind me of that. That's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. We were like loading the program onto the memory card that was on the Pi and everything. Yeah, it's like a similar process where you kind of have this build step in your mix release, and it just like packs everything. Nerves kind of does a similar thing where it it inserts itself into mix release and it builds an SD card image of OTP, the release for Erlang and all your Beam code into the Linux kernel that it needs to run, spits out an image, and then you can write that to an SD card. Similarly, Burrito spits out just an executable for whatever platform. But the key thing that Burrito did that was separate from Bakeware 
was if you're on Linux, you can actually just target Windows or Mac OS without setting up anything. And so you can cross-compile to any platform from basically any of the other platforms. Mac can compile for Linux and Windows. Windows, we don't have super official support for the Windows host build yet, but theoretically, and I've had some people in the community do this and show me that it works, which is pretty impressive, you can compile from Windows to Mac and Linux, or from Linux to Mac and Windows, and just cross all of the options and all it's really of the... Cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I wanted a really turnkey solution for us because we only had access to a Linux CI machine at that job at the time. And so we needed to be able to build Mac OS binaries from Linux, which is not always easy and usually involves legal gray areas. But because the language we used for the wrapper, which is Zig, it can just cross compile to anything because it uses LLVM in the back end in the back end as its compiler. And so it can just target any of those. How long has Burrito been out now? Oh, it's been open sourced for maybe five months or so, maybe five, six months. I was going to say, it's been making me hungry for at least half a <laughs> Right. I was going to say around ElixirConf is what it, I think I started hearing about it. Yeah. So I was talking about it behind the scenes at ElixirConf. It didn't have a name yet and it didn't, it wasn't open sourced. I had to go through a ton of red tape at that company because they were not open source acclimated and it was a big pain. Shout out to Quinn, who was my manager at the time, who like kind of led the charge and got that really done. By the time Burrito got out, I was already kind of going to be transitioning over to Smart Rent. And then Frank was super friendly and basically said like, hey, you know, you can continue working on Burrito. It's a great thing for the community. And he was super fun. And he said, uh, you know, I'm super glad you made that because I didn't want to really maintain Bakeware anymore. <laughs> right, you saved a lot of people a mm -hmm. lot of it. Have you yeah. heard of people using Burrito out in the wild since it's been released? Yeah, yeah I have. I've Anything had a few you, you can, examples you can talk about. I got approached by, I can look it up while I mention another one, but I've had somebody who reached out today recently about an issue where they're trying to make something that does VPN, like a VPN software written in Elixir so that they can just kind of ship their program for their startup. And I would love to pull it up. <laughs> Give me Elixir one for networking. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Who, what a concept. <laughs> um, Never would have thought a novel cross -platform idea. Cross-platform Elixir apps. Hmm. Cross-platform. Look, I love Elixir. I know we all like to write web apps in Elixir, right. but I really like to use Elixir for other things too. Yeah. I, and I, I for think, like backends. <laughs> I think that it's a very useful language. Yeah, that's, that's something that I think it comes up for me a lot is like, what else is there aside from like the web apps that we've seen, you know? Yeah, that's why I love like hearing about what Frank is up to and just like generally speaking what the nerves community is up to. I will say right now, it's like the nerves team is holed up in Park City working on something. It just feels like they're building something amazing. And I just, I feel like that little kid in The Incredibles that's waiting on the driveway. And Mr. Incredible is like, what are you waiting for? And he's like, something amazing, I guess. <laughs> that's what I feel like. Because they're like 40 minutes away in Park City right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm just waiting for something amazing, I guess. <laughs> oh, I have the name of the startup, Fire Zone. Firezone HQ on Twitter. They're doing VPN and firewall for Linux. And they were looking for ways to distribute it. And they had reached out and said, like, we really like your project. We're considering using it. You know, it would be cool to see this be out in the wild. And, and of course, you know, my last company is using it in production mm -hmm. every day, basically. And I talked to some of my old coworkers and they say, yeah, we're still using it. Mm -hmm. And they, they're still going to be modifying and contributing to it every now and then. And so it's just really cool. I made it because 
we needed a solution. And then I realized, oh, this is going to be really useful for other people because I want this outside of my yes. company. And, you know, I like to make tools for people to make the things that they want to make. So Yeah, for sure. You're doing service. Thank you. <laughs> you mentioned that there are other things you like to do with Elixir other than web apps, other than what we've talked about so far. Is there anything you haven't mentioned yet that you like using Elixir for? Oh, binary pattern matching is using gaming terms. It's busted. And by that, I mean, it's super powerful. I would not have thought that busted meant super <laughs> powerful. It means overpowered, basically. Oh, okay. It's binary pattern matching. I've used binary pattern matching to do all sorts of crazy things, taking apart like game archive files, reverse engineering stuff. Super fun. Every other language is it's such a pain to try and like keep track of the byte offset and you're messing with pointers in C. Python is usually a go-to, but binary pattern matching in Elixir just like it feels super elegant to write binary file processing in Elixir. I hope more people do that because I think it's super powerful. In fact, I told one of my friends about it. And then he started looking into it. And he's like, wow, this is really good. So look more into binary pattern matching. I think it's really overlooked a lot. I've kind of like dipped into the waters of binary pattern matching on like when I've had to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it, I was kind of intimidated at first. And then once I started to kind of actually try it out and start practicing with it and stuff, I was like, okay, I can see this being useful. Yeah, it's I go from looking at a table that describes a binary file format to a working thing that can take apart the information out of the binary file in fractions of the time it would have taken me in other languages. It's super great. It just makes me wish that everybody had, I don't know, like a live book snippet of their favorite code. We all just mm. submitted it to one place. It's like everyone's top hits. We need Watch a, Elixir do this. We need yeah. a live book social network where you you share your snippets and you can run them in the browser. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> just let people upload code to your server. It's great. Uh, read only? Doesn't run? I don't know. I, I have no solutions for this. Sandbox Jose, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. Or maybe not Jose, who's at um, Yonatan. Mm. Yeah, so sorry for this terrible idea. I don't know. But I've always thought Livebook is a really cool tool for learning. And I'm trying to picture what you're talking about right now. And I can't because I've been writing Flutter for the last year. I would love to see it. And in my head, the blank spot where the code would go is in a live uh, live book space around it. You won't have to wait too long because that code is in tomorrow's talk. Okay. <laughs> that is what I want. That is what I want. Instant gratification. The world has trained me for this moment. Don't got to wait too long. <laughs> <laughs> The other side project that I've heard about and is also interesting uh, is Macaroons. Oh, yeah. This is another Elixir project. That right? makes me hungry. Yeah, we're, this is, we're snack round now. Yes. I've also the recently discovered the hungry. magic of actual macaroons. What? You've never... You, what? I, recently? Yeah, this year, I started... I became a macaroon guy. That's my go-to snack. They're so tasty. Wait, wait. Okay, so like once a week. the pronunciation for the different cookies are... Are you talking about the almond flour colorful cookies or the colorful like... ones? Yes. Okay. Is that actually pronounced? They're both pronounced macaroon. They're spelled differently. The paper uses the wrong spelling. They're called the wrong one. The actual like security based macaroons. They're they're the wrong one for the image that everybody uses for them. So it's a little backwards. It's spelled as if they're the ones that are just like the lumps with the almonds inside of them, mm-hmm. like just the, the pile of nuts, but. They use the colorful French macaroons as the icon, which is not 
the right spelling. It's I, don't well, know. <laughs> I thought the French, the colorful French ones were called macarons. I thought that's what I, mean, I, don't I know. kept saying I don't that know. too, and I kept getting corrected by people. <laughs> like not even at bakeries, I'd be like, I'm trying to find macaroon or mac- macarons because I, I guess like the president yeah, like, of, of France macaroons? also got me mixed up on that. So they're like, no, 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 it's macaroons. I'm like. Okay, where they're, are they? I mean, truly, they're both delightful. And yes. we are definitely on subject right now. <laughs> so, yes. And now, all right, before I run out of this room to go get find the nearest pastry shop. I know where the nearest pastry shop <laughs> is, course. by the way. All right. All right. Change of plans. <laughs> Let's record there. Okay. But uh, tell us about the elixir version of macaroons. Yeah. Doused in elixir alcohol, I guess. <laughs> something, something. Implementing macaroons in elixir was just a small little side project I decided to do that turned into my first talk, which was on the Elixir Wizards Conference, which was really fun. And it's been pretty low maintenance. Uh, actually, Amos came to me the other day and was like, I'm using, like, I can, I see it. He's like, I connected in my head. I understand why macaroons is the way to go for certain things. And I was just enthralled by the fact that you could have something other than just a token as an authorization concept because of that I didn't know that was a thing that you could just encode. Like, yeah, we have JWTs. But those have so many, I'm going to say foot guns, where you can just injure yourself by setting out none or, or something like that. Oh, my god. And it's not great. I think not a month goes by that I read that a security vulnerability or there's been an exploit or like a disclosure because someone set up JWTs incorrectly setting algorithm to none or not checking the validation at all or any number of these things. And so being able to say, oh, there's an alternative. And for some reason, nobody's using it was really frustrating to me because I read the paper. Like these are literally the perfect replacement for something like a JWT. Why is no one using them? And so I decided, well, I'll just implement it in Elixir. I know the Elixir community is ravenous and excited and I love everything about it. So I'm just going to throw it out into the Elixir community and maybe someone will use it. What are some use cases? I heard, I think it was Amos talking about using it for like file sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was an can, interesting one. I usually tend to say, think about Macaroon authorization as like a resource oriented access. So like a file, if you have a file and you want to allow someone to read and write, then you can make a Macaroon that says they can read and write. And then if that person who's holding the macaroon wants to give it to someone else, like how GitHub, like you authorize with GitHub, log in with GitHub, and it's like, this app wants to read your profile, you can add another little caveat to the macaroon that you already have that says read, write, and you can throw on another thing that says actually only read for this time to this time, and then give that to your friend. And now they have guaranteed only the access you've given them and you don't have to talk to the server at all okay i've got wills i've got gears turning right now because i'm thinking about the app i've been working on my side project you, and i'm like okay yeah okay, this side project side, side project, project. Side right, side right. Project. i was about to make make noise if <laughs> no, you're yeah. talking about a work project <laughs> but no, no, no. no side project i'm like okay like limited time access mm-hmm. like my use case would not be file sharing i don't think but like limited time access to like a an application or like a, a zone in an application yes, or something. Yeah, exactly. I also, I bring up the concept of family sharing in certain applications. Steam, the game platform, has the idea of where you can authorize a friend's computer or a family computer to like share your game library. You could instead 
mint a macaroon that says like you can use this game from this time to this time and then even if your friend like spills the beans and gives your token to someone else they only have the scoped permissions that they you gave them so it's not like you're giving them full access you're giving them a really scoped down access and then if they want to scope that access down even further they have to work in that like sub scope you've already given them so it's like a hierarchy of permissions does the recipient need an account? Like, is it a tied to an account no. or is it just like a... It can be, but no, it's just authorization. Authentication is something else. So, auth n, you'd use a token for a session, but the authorization, you could use the macaroons for. I've been... So, speaking of side project, same side project, I've been setting up WebAuth and over mm-hmm. uh, LiveView. Yeah. And that was... Not documented. Oh, no. <laughs> That's been like... So, I'm, I'm using the Wax package, which helped me a lot. There are a couple of other alternatives. Yep. Not quite as documented as that one. But like it was, you know, the examples were for like a, a traditional controller. Yep. So, I had to kind of like shift the mindset to like make it work over WebSockets and figure out like where to store it, you know, the, the challenge. So, the, now that's living in the process memory. And now I think I need to have someone like Digit take a quick look at the security <laughs> just to make sure I'm not so like now setting authentication to none. <laughs> everybody I, knows yeah. what happens when we stop recording. Right. <laughs> the laptop's out. <laughs> I'm super glad that you're using Wax and figuring this out because one time I wanted to do this and I decided that I didn't want to invest my time in figuring out how to make it work over live view. So whenever you're done with that, you should publish that. Yes. I, that's the one thing I want to open source next. Excellent. Or like probably first is like, once I get this working, like abstract it out from the app a little bit and then... Yeah, please. I would, be... I would totally use that. Because it's, it's so great. So if you haven't ever heard of WebAuthn, like, so the way I'm setting it up on my app is I'm going to have an, I'm going to collect the user's email address and they're going to set a username, the email, so I can send them you know, if they need support later on and then username so they can talk to each other within the app. And then whenever they hit uh, register or sign up, they'll press touch ID, face ID, or a USB security key. They won't ever have to create a password. They will never have to reset a password. That's the way to do it. And that password can never be breached because like the application will receive a public key that is useless without the secret on that person's device. Right. I love my YubiKey security keys. I use them all the time. I want more things to support it. So yeah, definitely publish this because I want more people to start doing passwordless authentication. It's way more secure. All right. If it's not published, let's say by the end of the year. I'll yell yes, at you. Yeah. Track me down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Set yeah, I, I think there's some like some tie-in with like, I need to like revisit the Macaroon project and kind of... Yeah, because you already have the authorization. Right. If you need... Uh, I'm sorry, you already have the authentication. If you want the authorization, you could use something like a JWT, or you could be cool and use a macaroon, or you could be even cooler and use a biscuit, but nobody's implemented biscuits in Elixir yet. More foods. <laughs> Sunday, what do you got? I don't actually think we have time to talk about biscuits because <laughs> all of us have got a speaker dinner to go to. So I, you know, it's just so weird because we're like beholden to a clock where we're all in one, the same time zone. Mm-hmm. And two, we actually have like, I mean, we always had things to do. Obligations, but there yeah. are physical people waiting a few miles away, I think. Yeah, which is just such a weird concept. <laughs> we got time. Yeah, we have like half an hour. <laughs> okay. In two minutes or less, can, what is a biscuit? We can make a fashionable late entry. It's basically a macaroon, but uh, there's data log inside it. Okay. Say and more. why do you think no one's used it yet? <laughs> it, they're fairly new. Okay. But How new? Like six months or? Not six months, uh, past few years, but I love the concept of them. 
And if you want to talk about Datalog, talk to Quinn about Datalog. Okay. So She's we're just always pull tweeting Quinn about Datalog. Out of our back pocket. Right. <laughs> just magically. She's appear. literally like a floor down, I'm pretty sure. So we Quinn. could just, probably we could just yell down the hallway. <laughs> oh, the joys of actually being in the physical space and, and doing the thing. Do you want to give you the floor for any shout outs or plugs that you may want to talk about? Oh, interesting. Or hot takes. We skipped hot takes today. Hot takes. I don't know. My, my hottest take on Elixir is that don't just build web apps with it. <laughs> that's fair. It doesn't and, have to uh, be an Elixir hot take, but that's a good hot take. Yeah. I guess my other hot take would be like, just in general for engineering, like, don't behold yourself to like the agile philosophy, like strictly, you know, have a Kanban board, but that's where I find anything more than that I find becomes useless to me. Fair. That's a really good thing for people to explore. And I think people are actually exploring right now. So good for sure. Owen, do you have anything else that you want to? I mean, we could talk. So the speakers dinner tonight, we're going to be talking, I'm sure, about authorization and happy hour. This is just going to keep going and going. But uh, the audience will but, not get to hear that. But you did get a taste of this particular conversation yes. now for everyone listening who is or was, I guess, was in past tense at MPEX. I hope we got a chance to chat with you. And if not, I hope you, you know, got to feel like you were here with right. us. And this is the best part about going to a conference. Like, yes, you're going to see some talks. Those are also going to be online. But it's all of the in-person conversations that you have that you can kind of have over Slack. You can kind of have over Zoom. You can definitely have in Toucan. You can have yeah, Toucan. Yeah. <laughs> Toucan. But yeah, just in person, there's something, I don't know, it's just, it's just easier to kind of capture the excitement. And yeah, like yeah, those, those after hours parties can go to like one or two o'clock just because everyone's like hyped up on... <laughs> Elixir. <laughs> Elixir. <laughs> Elixir. Uh, various Elixirs. Elixir. Yes. Yeah. Where can people find you or find info on your like, oh, GitHub or anything or yeah. Twitter? If you ever need to find me, I'm on Twitter and on GitHub under the username at doowoo, D-O-A-W-O-O. It's a pun on don't owoo. I'll show you the image later if you haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, there's also my website, which you can find, uh, which is puppy.surf. Amazing. That is not puppy at dot all surf. impossible to remember. So kudos <laughs> to that. Great. Well, that's it for today's super special episode of a live recording of Elixir Wizards. Thanks again to our guest, Digit, for joining us. I'm Sunday Mient, and my co-host is Owen Bickford. Our executive producer is Rose Burt. Elixir Wizards is a SmartLogic production. Here at SmartLogic, we build custom web and mobile software. We work in Elixir, Rails, React, Flutter, and more. Need a piece of custom software built? Hit us up. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Your reviews help us reach new listeners. You can find us on Twitter at SmartLogic or join the Elixir Wizards Discord. The link is on the podcast page. And see you next week for more on Elixir in a polyglot environment.